are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We've taken a book a week. So we started in Genesis and just sort of giving a, uh, a brief review or a synopsis of it. Just say, here, here's what this book is. Here's what we're going to be studying. It starts off chapter 1, 2, 3, creation. And the last verse ends in a coffin in Egypt. And so everything in between there. There's so much, there's so much blessing in between chapter 1 and chapter 50. So many good things that happen. And birth of babies and marriages. So many good things. So many sad things, uh, death, murder, lying, homes destroyed. So many sad things that happen in those chapters. That's the little dash. You see a marker in a graveside and it said, here's the date of the birth, here's the date of the death. But that little dash in the middle is what life's about right now. Put good things in there. And then we saw Exodus. So in your Bible, in my Bibles, I always put, by the word Genesis, very first book. Genesis is, the word Genesis means what? Beginning. So I have marked every book of the Bible. What is the theme or what is the book by one word? Genesis is what? Beginning. So if you're gonna mark your Bible, and I would suggest this year of 2019, you mark your Bible and let your Bible mark you. But I would suggest you put that Genesis is the beginnings. That's what the word means. Exodus, what does Exodus mean? To what? Exit, to leave. It's like the signs we have around here, exit. That would be a reminder to read the second book of the Bible. And so if you're gonna go back, and I don't know if anybody's doing it, but maybe you've done it already, Exodus. Then Leviticus. We, um, we saw last week in the 27 chapters in Leviticus, let me go back to the Leviticus chapter one because I forget the exact number. All right, here it is. Uh, we do know that the word holy is found 87 times. But we also know that there's the word holiness. And so when you put them together, it's 102 times in 27 chapters. To be clean, it's 193 times. To be sanctified is 23 times. Over 327 times. Now some of you older fellows would remember the Chevrolet engine, the 283 or the 327. That was a good motor, Brother Mark. Certainly a lot better than those Chrysler products you liked back there. Mopar par and all that stuff. But, uh, but, uh, but, but 327 was a great engine for the, for the Chevys. And so you can remember, all right, it's a book of holiness, clean living, godliness. And it's mentioned 327 times in 27 chapters. I guess God's trying to get us, tell us to be holy. Because where Exodus ends, is where Numbers tonight picks up. Leviticus is a book wedged between there, but there's not a time where it takes days or weeks or months. It's just a short period of time. They put it in there, but you, where you, you pick up in Numbers exactly where you lift up in, in, in the book of Exodus. So what were they doing in Exodus? They were exiting. And God was showing them, when you exit now, I expect you to be holy because you're going to the promised land. 
And God expects us to be holy as we pass through this journey on our way to the Holy Land. Now we get to Numbers, and I wonder what the book Numbers means. Exactly what it says. Numbers is what? Uh, numbers. There you go. You're so awesome. You folks are great. And Numbers picks it up. I, I'm always amazed, and this is not exhaustive at all. I'm amazed how much God numbers things. God's always, Jesus, when he's here, he's always numbering things. I wonder why God is so intense on numbering things. I'll show you a few in a moment as we get into the introduction. I think because God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion. Verse number 40 in that text. Let all things be done decently and in, and in order. There needs to be an order. I, I, I'll tell you generally, generally what your spiritual life is like when we look at the order of your life. If everything is out of order, it's generally a reflection that your walk with God is out of order. Our houses reveal how orderly we are. Our dresser drawers reveal how orderly we are. Everybody's, everybody's allowed to have one junk drawer, right? That's in that Bible somewhere. I know that's there. And if it's not, I'll write it in because everybody else is writing and adding to the Bible, so we might, well, might as well too. But, but God, God does everything orderly. Your car isn't orderly. And I know college students come here, and God bless you. You use your trunk as a trunk. Uh, you put spring clothes in there, and I know, I know that. I know that has to happen. I don't have enough storage around here for you. But I also know that our lives need to be orderly. Can you get your projects done on time at work? Are you always having to ask for extension? You're out of order. Because if they gave you 30 days or six months and some have three years on some projects they're working on, you, you have to stay on course. And there has to be an order to what you're doing. Uh, if you're in school, elementary, we don't have any elementary in here, but uh, high school and junior high and high school, college, uh, and there has to be, you that are on other uh, universities or programs that you're on or online, there has to be an order. Man, I don't, I don't feel like doing it tonight. Well, yeah, but if the project is, here's a classic statement. A paper doesn't get accomplished on time. So the night before you're trying to do the paper and you're cramming to get the paper done. And then a student comes in and says, you won't believe it. My computer won't, yeah, it won't print. Well, it should have been printed long before last night. I don't think this is going anywhere so far. God is an orderly God. I think we ought to be orderly with when we get up and basically when we go to bed and when we do things and how we do things and our cars, and I know it's been raining for so many of you and, and, you, and all of us, but maybe some of you just a little behind on, but the cars, they ought to be washed. Some people 
get the idea when it rains, your car is getting washed. It's getting dirty. Road dirt, it's dirty, it's filthy. And that's why when you get up to a car and it says on the back window after the rain, wash me. It's because it did not get washed. Or you think in your SUV because that windshield wiper is going back and forth like this and you got an area clean, it's clean. It's dirty. I know I'm laboring this, but God is a God of order. Everything's orderly. Do we pay our bills in an orderly fashion? Are we always getting late notices? Well, yeah, but I don't make that much money. No, you figure out how much you can pay and then you live your life about what you can pay, what you earn. You know, it's amazing when we think of God. How many tribes were there? How many tribes were there? 12. God told us, this. how many apostles were there? How many, how, many, um, how many gates to the city, Revelation? 12 gates to the city. He gives us the measurements of the foundation. He gives us the measurements of heaven. Heaven is 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high. It's like going from here beyond Denver. That way, that way, that way. It's a huge place. But God gives us the measurements. How many were saved at Pentecost? How many were saved at Pentecost? 3,000. Remember in John chapter number 21, where they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said to Peter, cast on the right side. And he said, we've toiled all night and taken nothing. But Jesus said, cast on the right side. He cast on the right side. And does anybody happen to remember the last chapter in John? Do you remember? And maybe you won't. It's no big deal. Uh, how many fish that he caught? 153. Now, isn't that kind of strange that God would tell us how many fish were caught? God's an orderly God. I think tonight of Gideon, he had some soldiers. Started off with many that got it down to 10,000, but wait a minute. God says you still have too many. And how many, how many did he end up with? How many soldiers? Uh, here's a man by 300. Here's a man, you're right. Here's a man by Goliath, David and Goliath. And, and, and he, uh, this little shepherd boy picked up how many stones? Five, isn't that interesting? How many brothers did Goliath have? Five, uh, four brothers and himself, five. He said, I, I'm just prepared in case all the boys show up. God, God numbers everything. This is a hard one to remember, but remember when um, Saul was chasing David, he took, he, he took with him 3,000 soldiers to find David, and David had how many soldiers? 600. God numbers it. And God numbers, then the book of Acts, Paul was on a ship, uh, chapter 27. And how many souls went into the water, did not perish, not one of them? How many? God said 276 of you. There's 276 people here. In fact, if you will read, God always lays out for us how many shekels, how many pieces of gold. He lays out for us the dimensions of the tabernacle and the holy place and the holy of holy place. He tells us the measurements. He tells us how high the curtain should be. He tells us, 
Because God is such an orderly God. I'm ashamed to say this right now because I'm just so always these days far behind. But I was taught you always clean up your desk and have everything done by the time you leave, leave, leave your office. And my desk is completely clean tonight. It always is. But I must confess I got a stack about this big of emails and notes and things I've got to deal with and I've got to figure out how to get that done, hopefully tomorrow sometime. And I stuck it in the drawer. Now that's not good, but you're not gonna see it anyway. I'm just confessing my sins to you right now. I'm talking about God is an orderly God, and our lives must have order. So he gives us this book of numbers, and in this book of numbers, he's gonna number everything. There's two million Jews here in the book of Numbers. And those two million Jews are, are now here gonna set up home and set up life in this promised land. And he gives us a book of Numbers. He gives us a book of Deuteronomy. Next week, the book of Deuteronomy just simply means the words. These be the words of Moses, the words. And, and so he's gonna show, he, I wanna get you people ready. Next week, we're gonna find that. He says, okay, you families, I want you to sit down and I want you to, Teach your family the, 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 the scriptures, the law. And, and when they rise up and when they sit down and when they sit on the doorpost and, and when you're talking the way in your home, I want you to be talking about what we'd call the Bible, the law. It makes it very clear here in the book of Numbers in chapter number one. He says in verse two, take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families after the house, uh, uh, house of their fathers with the number of their names and every male on their poles. And in other words, you're gonna have to have a roster. Every Sunday school class needs an updated database roster. Brother Reimers brings us the database and he's in the children's ministry tonight, but our Sunday school director tells us every Sunday night, update every single week by three o'clock Sunday afternoon, your roster and send it in to realm that we have an update of how many visitors, what decisions, what took place, why he's keeping track of what's going on and how to get back in the home. Brother Luke Frod, every week at the bus meeting, every week you see the word database. And every week he says, I want us to keep in charge of the database and adding students and adding parents and adding names and adding addresses. And are they saved? We're keeping track of those things. Do you know we're about ready to baptize our 19,000th person? I know it's taken us 43 years, but 19,000. We have the name of every single one that's ever been baptized. It, it all, we've had a record of all the people that have been saved. I think if I recall right now, about 90,000 people have walked the aisles of our church. Not out souling, but walked the aisles, one-on-one -on -one being led to Christ. Why, God's an orderly God. God does things in order. And he gives us numbers and he tells you, I want to take every man, every family, get the families all lined up, get them all ready. When, when Joseph and Mary were going 
to Bethlehem what was going on. They were being taxed. There was a census. All the, all the, 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 the people of the world, they had to come and give a, a recording of who they were. How important it is. And the Bible says this in chapter one. From 20 years old, there's that numbering again, and upward all that are able to go forth to war in Israel. Thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And so he starts with the tribe of Reuben, verse five, and then Simeon, verse six, and then Judah and the Issachar and Zebulun and Joseph, verse number 10, and Benjamin and Dan and Asher and Gad and Naphtali. These were the renowned of the congregation princes and the tribes of the fathers, the heads of the thousands. Look at verse 20, the latter part. Uh, it talks about the sons and their children and their fathers according to the numbers of the name by their poles. Every, every male from 20 years old and upward that were able to go forth to war. He said, I want them all numbered. When you get the numbering of 20 years old and upward, men that were able to fight, in this book, God is gonna show us that there are 603,550 men that were able to fight. Well, your, your church, you're, you're just interested in, in numbers. We are exactly, there's a book in the Bible called that too. Jesus fed one time, how many? 5,000. What did he feed the next time, two chapters later? 4,000. They numbered men besides women and children. I hope that tonight, somewhere along the lines, God is speaking our heart about getting our life in order. I need to get this in order. I have no idea what I'm doing over here. I've never, someone says, balance my checkbook. We'll get it in order. Got to know where you're at. Well, I don't know if I paid any principal on my mortgage payment. You ought to know. If you're buying a house, you ought to know every month how much you're paying down on that. You ought to know how much in debt you are. You ought to know how much more until you get the car paid off. You ought to know, is your electric bill going up or going down? And I know there's different times of the year where it's at. You ought to chart that. You ought to figure out where you're at. We ought to figure out what I, I'm, 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 I'm going to save for our, our daughter's wedding. Well, you don't do that a month ahead of time. I'm going to save for our children's education. Well, you, you don't do that ahead of time. And they can work also. That was really a good one right there. No one liked that one, but I read it. I said it anyway. The book of Numbers is preparing these people because they're moving from the wilderness to the promised land. And in chapters 1 through 14, the old generation is going to pass off the scene. Danger. Now, the bad thing, why? Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Why, please? I didn't say, I'm sorry, I didn't say please. Uh, Hebrews chapter three. Why did the old generation have to die off and move off the scene? What was the reason? Well, chapter three of Hebrews tells us, and of course, we can go in the Old Testament and find it as well, but we'll just review it in chapter three of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter three, we find that beginning in verse number um, eight, Verse seven says, wherefore the Holy Ghost saith today, let me underline that, today, will you hear his voice? Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. That was 
in the Old Testament when they hardened their hearts in the temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers, here it is, tempted me, proved me, saw my works those 40 years. Therefore, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. They do all with air in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, therefore, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of, what's the word? Unbelief. What happens when you have unbelief? Departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse number five, 15, while it said today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit all came out of Egypt, and not all came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Verse 18, so we see, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Tragedy, why? Those old men should have set, set a standard for their sons and daughters. Here's what we are. Here's what we believe. Here's where we're going. Here's the God we worship. But why did they not? Because they didn't believe. They had unbelief. You folks are getting older in this church. You've gone through watching your kids go to kindergarten, sixth grade, and eighth grade graduation, twelfth grade, and now they're adults. Why are you falling off the bandwagon? Well, I've got a son not living for God. I've got a daughter not living for God. I've got family problems. But that's this way. What about this way? He has never forsaken us. Well, the church has not been good to me. Well, that is a bunch of baloney. Always blaming the church or blaming the school or blaming authority or blaming this one or blaming that one. Well, you know how it is over there at the church. Yeah. A lot better than it is at your house, apparently. I'm not trying to be rude. Why are we falling off the wagon? I tell you a crowd in this church I, I admire so much. The, the, the men whose wives walked out, the husband walked out, the husband died, the wife died, and they are still coming, many of them by themselves, to the house of God, still reading their Bible, still praying, still tithing, still faithful, faithful unto death. Why do we get so sideways with God? You're not sideways with me. You're not sideways with some authority around here. You are sideways away from God and you're waiting. It might be right now the message that you're gonna use. I can't, I can't stand a church like that. No, you're waiting for somebody to stumble or trip or do something and get you upset. I'm out of here, I'm out of here. No, you were out of here a long time ago. You're just waiting for the excuse. And I'm talking about the internet crowd right now. All churches are the same. They're all the same. And this is the best of the best. Sometimes it's overtaxing running the daycare here. Some of you should be ashamed. You've been here 10, 15, 20, 25 years and more. And you're the ones I'm spending time with. What in the world are you thinking? You witness that God gave us this property 
You witness that God gave us all these buildings. You witness that God gave us radio and the internet and college and a school. You witness that God gave the boss ministry. You witness, and now you have all unbelief. This book is so powerful. God, God's trying to put it all in perspective here. So we have the old generation, and it's so sad, chapter one through 14, they've got to die off. Because, watch it, the old generation had to dry out because, dry, die off because they were dragging down the young generation. Older Christians and seasoned Christians should not be dragging down young people. They should set the mark, thus saith the Lord. Never wavering. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Don't, 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 don't. He said, well, you don't know the hurt. Join the crowd. I, I, I love the ministry. I love it more today than ever. But I'm telling you, there's not a day that my heart doesn't get jerked out. I think, what in the world is going on? As we're falling apart politically, I'm watching our churches. I'm thinking, what, what are we thinking? How could it be so right for all these years and now it's all wrong? How can we be so excited about praying things in and believing God and now it's not? I'm talking to you dear people in churches across America and I know I'm talking to my own people tonight, but what are you people thinking? Why are you arguing so much in your churches? I get weary. I look at those phone calls I got to make tomorrow. I get tired of the fact that this deacon board and, and this staff members and, and this church, and they're all sideways. What is, what are you thinking? I, I pray by the grace of God, I never wind up in a swamp. I don't want to be in a swamp, getting old and getting mean and offended and hurt and feelings out of joint. You're not serving God then. Something's wrong. Something's wrong when we're not right with God till the day we die. Today would have been my mother's birthday. Tomorrow, her anniversary. Tomorrow would be, there'd be 60, 71 years today. And a couple years ago she died. My dad it died just a few, next year or so after her. I'm glad I didn't have temperamental mothers and dads get all mad at the church, all upset with people, all upset with the deacons, all upset with the pastor. <laughs> you know, that'd be funny. Our pastor had one child, a son. For now, I think this year it's going to be 50 years he's been part of our family. He married my twin sister. Well, what a joy that would be. My, my parents and my pastor shared grandchildren, two of them. I'm glad my dad never got sideways like some of those deacons in our church. Mad at the pastor. I grew up over here in Fremont. Somehow, many of those little Baptist churches over there have their roots in my home church because people get mad, they start at this church. This, couple, this family over here got mad, got a few other people, and they start, I can name the churches right now they started. And then many of those churches are no longer the name that they named them because they're the Free Star Church. And that's not a name of them. They're the Spring Church. They're the uh, Radiant Church. I have no idea what all that stuff's about. 
But their roots are, they all left another church mad. This whole generation had to pass off, and because of unbelief, unbelief, I look at people that have been saved for years in this church. I could see you all over the room here tonight. Thank you for staying true to God and faithful. I hope I get to live a long life. Brother Chris Kessler, wherever you are, my, your, your father, your father-in-law, who a great preacher, died at age 51 of cancer. He said to me one day, as he, he said, Treep, the doctor said the shoe's gonna drop one of these days. And I remember the day it dropped. I walked into that emergency room and I saw his face had turned yellow. Well, I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant. I watched him suffer with that. But I tell you what, he died as a good Christian. A good Christian. A godly Christian. And one of these old days, these days, this old body's gonna stop and and, and I, I fear to see what's going to happen. I, I don't know who you'll choose. Most churches choose the wrong guy. I'm not upset tonight. I'm concerned. You, you just cannot, old people, dump off righteousness and jump off serving God. And that's where I'm still in the introduction. I'm out of time. Tonight we see that this book of Numbers is Numbers, but there's a theme that works in this book of Numbers with these numbers. And you're gonna find the word throughout this entire text. You're gonna find it 54 times. Service, service, to serve God, to serve God. Go to chapter eight quickly, please, and I'll, give an invitation to baptize tonight. In chapter, back up to four, if you will. Keep your hand there, please, and we'll be right here. When we think of the service, they, they, they talk about the Levites. They came from the tribe of Levi. Verse three of chapter four, we'll start there. From 30 years old and upward to 50 years old. They served for 20 years. This shall be the service of the Kohath. The Kohathites is what they were called. Now, who were the Kohathites? Well, look at verse 22. Take also the, son, the sons of the sum of the sons of Gershon. Who were the Gershonites and who were the Kohathites? And then look at verse number uh, 29. It speaks about the Merites. And it deals with them throughout this passage. And in every one, you'll find 20 times in this chapter alone, those three families who are Levi's were supposed to serve God. They got no, they received no portion. They served God. They served God. And the tragic thing of these Kohathites who came the sons of Korah, they were the ones that rose up against Moses and fought against Moses and the earth opened up. We mentioned it Sunday, 250 renowned men, the wives and children went into the earth and died because no longer they want to serve God. 
Service is over. We don't want to serve God. We've served enough. And because of that, they affected their families. God wanted the Levites to serve. Our theme this year is serving the Lord. It's not quitting the Lord. It's not stopping the Lord. I know I have a brain enough to know that one day this voice will get too feeble and this body get too feeble and one day I'll preach my last message and I, I, I won't be able to stand any longer or preach any longer. I know all that's going to happen. If you live long enough, you, 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 generally, you generally die old. That's pretty profound. Chapter 8, please. God wants us to serve. And so he tells us about these that we're serving. I am happy in the service of the king. I am happy, oh, a volunteer for Jesus, a soldier true. Others have enlisted. Why not you? This is the year not to quit serving, but to enlist in serving. By and by, when I look at his face, I wish I'd given him more. I want to do more, not less. So much the more. And we get to chapter 8. He shows these Levi's, the sons of Levi, why he chose them. He chose them to serve. He chose them, one, because of their pedigree. He chose them to serve him because of their pedigree. And verses 1 through 15. Look at verse 14. Thou shalt separate the Levites from the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. It shall be mine. And it's interesting, as you see in verse number 6, you're to be cleansed. In verse number 7, cleansed and purified and washed and clean. And in verse number uh, 15, to be cleansed. And he says in verse 16, they are wholly given unto me. Even instead of the firstborn, I have taken them unto me. Why did they get to serve God? Because of their pedigree. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the king. I'm related. I get to serve him because of my pedigree. I'm a child of God. My pedigree says I have the right to serve him. Tonight, I want you to know that you have the right to serve. Say, well, I, I come from a broken home. I come from a terrible home. I'm not talking about this home here. I'm talking about our Heavenly Father. I've been accepted in the beloved. I'm a child of the King. The Bible says I've been adopted. I've been elected. I'm his. I can serve him because I'm his. I am his and he is mine. I find also, secondly, Service came to the Levites because of their pedigree. But I find it came to them because of opportunity. What did the Levites do? They carried poles. They set up the tabernacle. They put the staves in the circular holes on the side. and They put the remnants on top and they raised that tabernacle. They put the door there. They put the uh, the the uh, Ark of the Covenant there. They put the candlestick there. You know, these Levi's 
always had an opportunity to serve because God always was moving the tent and God was moving their place of worship in that wilderness and they always had something to do. I don't know about you, friend, but I wish you'd look around here. There's always something to do. There's always something to do. There's doors to be knocked. There's people to be won. There's windows to be washed. There's buses to be driven. There's souls to be prayed over. There's always something to do. They serve because of their pedigree. They serve because of their opportunity. They serve because of privilege. Notice, if you will, please, in chapter 8, verse 14 through 16, we read again, the, verse 14, the Levites shall be mine. Verse 16, I have taken them. What a privilege to serve the Lord. What a privilege to serve the Lord. I look at my heritage. I hope Christianity is a stop with my offspring or heritage. My dad was from an incredible home. Though his mother was blind, she had nine children. They worked on the farm. About 88 years ago, my grandmother led my father to Christ at the pot belly stove. He was bringing wood in. And she was cooking dinner and his name was Gottlieb. It's a German name, God Loves. Eventually, he got his name from his sister, Gubby. But, but she said, Gottlieb, blind, what's troubling you? She, could, she knew something was troubling him. Oh, mother, nothing, mother, nothing. Son, something's troubling you. Mama, I'm not saved. And she won him to Christ. My dad and his three brothers, there are four of them. I wish somewhere I could find it. It's lost. Back in the early 40s, they made a record of their quartet. They'd put it on the radio. They'd sang on the radio. There are four men quartet. My dad had five sisters, four of the five married Baptist preachers. But it's an amazing thing with those nine kids out of all those kids, the four, five girls all changed their last name from Treeper when they got married. So there's only four boys that had an opportunity to put in America people to carry forth the gospel. He had three brothers and himself. His one brother had three girls and one son. That one son never married. His next brother had two girls. They changed their last name to another name when they got married. His other brother had a girl and a son. That son never had a boy. The only Treber boy left on planet Earth was Tim Treber. There's no other one to carry it. The five, the four ladies that married preachers, they were great preachers. And we still have pre preachers in our family. They're not all troopers now, but they're part of our family. There's seven of us this Sunday that are pastors of churches that will be preaching. And, and the religious environment and the Christian new, this new thing that they think is new, has not always 
compromise has always been around. But it takes a soldier, Jesus Christ, to say, not on my watch. Every man's not going to do that which is right, and we are not following a worldly crowd to accommodate the crowd. I hope I'm here many years, but maybe God would be done with me. And you that desire in every church a whole different route, you'll rise to the top. Always do, like Korah. And you'll help shift this church. It did, it happened, it happened 100% in Lee Robertson's church. That great, great church of 10,000, 12,000 people is totally empty and out of business tonight, and it didn't take very long for the new guy to change it. I could take you to church after church. I've been in all the 10 fastest growing churches in America, the book that was written in 72. I've been in all the 10 largest churches in America that was written in 1968. They're almost all gone. They're gone. They just shut the doors. Because the new generation decided Though their dad had unbelief, we're going to do our own thing. And it destroys. It destroys. This book of Numbers is going to come alive to you. If you're, when you get your Bible and read Numbers, it'll be such a blessing. Let's stand together, please. Our Father, I love these people so much. I, I don't want to wear them out. I just, I, I see, I, I wonder why we can't see what's happening politically. Socialists are on, the, are on the front page every day and they're taking the platforms over and sodomites. 61 million babies now aborted this week total for, since it began. Largest number in any other country in the world. God, wake us up. And the church is accommodating or buying into the world's philosophy. We're buying into everything about talking about just how we worship God. We're trying to get God, you to listen to us when we should be listening to you. We talk about how much we adore you and all, and that's wonderful, but how about, God, we need to obey you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.